Hawks fans, wherever you may be, welcome inside the Hawks Playbook Podcast. Join your host, Bill Alfstead, and featuring Seahawks sports writer and football analyst, Keith Myers. Hello and welcome into the Hawks Playbook Podcast, episode 25 the Force Awakens. No, I'm just um, episode 25, Keith. How you doing? We're at, the, we're at the quarter century mark. That's a lot of episodes. Do you realize it's half a year? And, and consistent. Yeah. I mean, we've been at it kind of every week, and uh, we're back here again. And uh, this week, we're not so much in game review mode because uh, the game has been reviewed at this point. Uh, we're recording on Tuesday. Game was on Friday, so it's kind of hard to, to kind of go over... Uh, individual plays and how the team looked and stuff. I mean, the team looked great. Let's just put it at that. The team looked great. There were some individual playing uh, players stand out from the game. I thought overall preseason so far has been been doing well. But today's podcast is going to focus more on uh, how individual players have been doing and which players uh, look like they're probably landing on the 53 uh, and which players are on the bubble and what we think will happen with those players, whether they'll, you know, they've already made the team, uh, but they're still kind of on that bubble list, or whether they're truly uh, jobs on the line here for some of these guys. What are your overall thoughts of what you saw on Friday and then moving forward uh, into today's podcast? Well, there was a lot to like on, on Friday's game. I mean, the, the pass blocking looked significantly uh, better than I feared going in, especially... Uh, with Riso Diombo now as the starting left tackle, uh, so it's it's going to be, you know, it's one of those things we have, we're we are going to continue to watch and monitor. Uh, and I get that yep. part of it was vanilla defense, and part of it was that Justin yep. Houston wasn't playing, but still, yeah, I thought Kansas City didn't play very well. Yeah, they made a lot of mistakes. Like there was a lot of dropped passes um, that would have skewed things differently as far as how we uh, view what the defense was doing uh, in that game, especially the run defense was, was struggling at times, but you know, yeah, that's the only concern I have Keith really going out of the game is, is our tackling. Our tackling looks to me to be a little passive. Um, And I don't know that that's a, uh, a component of the the guys just knowing that preseason doesn't mean anything and they want to kind of avoid those, aggressive tackling type injuries um, or if it's that the defense is maybe getting a little uh, a little older and you know that uh, aggressiveness is kind of tailing off slightly I don't know yeah. I guess we're gonna find out we won't find out until week one and, and two and and we'll see where, how, where it goes from there I think it has more to do with just being preseason it's you know, just it the, seems like it, Keith. You got backups in there at times. You've got, um, you know, guys just, especially guys that whose uh, roster spots are guaranteed. Like they love getting after the quarterback, but getting in there and you know, banging with the 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 big big uglies in the inside to stop the run. It's not as fun. Um, they'll do it once the season starts, but I. It's nobody to, told Frank. Nobody told Frank Clark that though. <laughs> 
He's also a young I mean, that, guy. <laughs> yeah, I know. But that guy, man, that he's going to have a monster season. So uh, before we get into the bubble players, we wanted to talk briefly about uh, a, a procedure that uh, seemingly going around, uh, Carol calls it uh, being inside the circle. Now, uh, apparently there's a treatment called uh, Regenekin, um, which is where they take blood out of you. It's your blood. They spin it in a centrifuge and then re-inject uh, some of that blood um, into a, the, a problem area to promote some healing. Uh, two players on the team already had successful treatment. DJ Alexander last week, <clears throat> KJ Wright the, the week before. KJ came back and said his his knee uh, felt a hundred a thousand. I think he said a thousand times better. Um, and based on that, based on that feedback that Carol he sent out. Five more players to have this procedure. Tyler Lockett, Michael Bennett, Cliff Averill, Luke Jokel, Michael Wilhoit. I mean, these these guys are premier guys on the team or key contributors on the team <clears throat> having this kind of uh, experimental procedure. Uh, what are your thoughts on this, Keith? And, you know, is there anything to be concerned about or is this just all upside and positive? Well, I think it's pretty much all upside positive. What you've got is you've got a treatment that, it has shown a lot of success uh, in just getting rid of, you know, a lot of some of the minor um, minor damage that's you know inside a joint. And it, so you've got guys. So people listening, you too, Bill. I'm sure you've got a joint or two or eight that are just always sore. There's just always a little bit of an ache, that kind of stuff in there. And that's what this does, this treatment does is it get, comes in and it kind of just gets rid of that. And just makes it feel healthy again, and that's kind of what what this is for. And and there isn't a lot of downside. I mean, uh, this is Scotty Pippen had something similar. Kobe Bryant has had something similar. Uh, you know, you've got now got guys like KJ Wright and doing it. So <clears throat> there's a lot of these uh, procedures that are that are being done. It's kind of one of those things that it used to be more controversial, and now it's becoming pretty commonplace and uh since it i mean there's a reason why this the team can't really talk about where the procedure is being taken place and all of that because it, it is not fully fda approved yet it is yeah it, it did seem sort of kind of under the, the the table sort of a thing like yeah go get this treatment don't talk about it you know get back we know you're gonna be gone a week get back for the first game and everything's gonna be fine yeah, and and so that's and that's kind of what it is. Is it, it's this is a a procedure that has not a, uh, been approved by the FDA. Um, that doesn't mean that it's unhealthy or anything. What it means is that it, it they the people who do it have not shown enough data to say that it actually does what they claim that it does. Like it just means it's 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 not fully tested and and. You know, to a rigorous level for the FDA to approve it. I mean, that's what how this process works. It has been approved in Europe, which they have different standards for approving these things. So, and that's why players generally go to Germany or Sydney Race went to Switzerland um, to have these kind of procedures done. Uh, apparently, it's being done here in the states. And I, in fact, had a uh, a situation so. Uh, I had a bulging disc, have a bulging disc in my back, and have had cortisone injections to help with that, which it has helped. Uh, but my doctor, 
uh, when I was first consulting to choose what kind of treatment plan I was going to have, <clears throat> offered me this blood uh, platelet treatment, which essentially he would withdraw my blood, put it in a centrifuge, uh, pull out the parts that he wanted to pull out. And I'm not sure of the details. I'm not a, you know, scientific as far as this procedure is concerned. So I don't know exactly what he was trying to do because I didn't go ahead with the procedure. Uh, but he was going to re-inject that into my area and he described it as uh, promoting uh, and regenerating growth because I had disc material that was missing on one of my discs. So I had two different areas. One was a bulge. He was trying to reduce the bulge. The other one was regenerating a some disc material where I had little. Um, I didn't end up going with that. Be one of the reasons I did not go with that initially was that it was a procedure that wasn't covered under insurance and I needed two of these procedures and they were $500 a pop. So I opted for the one that was uh, covered under insurance, which was the cortisone injection, and that helped over time. So I never did go back and revisit that, but I thought it was interesting. Um, and uh, it sounded like uh, he was having some success with it. Yeah, that doesn't surprise me. I mean, like I said, it's it's in a stage now in the U.S. where you can find doctors that will do it, which you have because it's a, it's experimental. You got to sign waivers and all that kind of stuff. Um, insurance companies won't pay for it because it's an experimental treatment. Uh, but this is part of the testing process, a part of the data collection that the FDA will eventually use to uh, approve it, assuming they do. And then it will become widely available and eventually your insurance companies will start paying for it. So this is only something which is going to be uh, more common. And so just a little bit of, of logistics for the Seahawks uh, since they're doing it, because uh, I, I know I've seen some questions. Um, because of the way that this works with it not being FDA approved, the team obviously cannot require anyone to do it. They also cannot pay for it not directly or under the table or anything like that, because anything under the table would be a salary cap violation and they'd lose draft picks. So um, they can recommend it to a player, and then the, but the player has to choose to do it and go pay for it themselves, uh, which I thought was interesting. So what you end up with is a situation where, yeah, the team has five guys that are not going to be available for the next week or so, but that is entirely their own choosing. It is not the team's choosing. But with the team's permission. Oh, yes, definitely with the team's permission. So, yeah. So I hope it works. I mean, I don't have anything against it. I, I think that a person should make their own health care decisions. And if they believe that something is going to help them and make them feel better, and in this particular case, feeling better is a key component to their job and performing and making their money, making a living, um, I'm all for it. And I think that if it works... Other players might end up doing it. I mean, I just what I don't want to see is I don't want to see middle of the season treatments going on where you've just got a a rotation of players that you're always missing. You know, oh, uh, this week, yeah, right. Michael Bennett <laughs> decides that he wants another injection because it worked so well, but he's starting to ache again. You know, say ten weeks from now, and then uh, Cliff Averill's gone. Luke Jokel goes back a couple times. Pretty soon, you've got another guy. Maybe the the bubble. Water isn't working anymore for Wilson and his shoulder's aching. So he goes and gets an injection. You know what I'm saying? I just don't yep. want to see this thing going on and on and on through the season. Now, off season, awesome. And hopefully this stuff kind of helps and stays 
uh, working. I under, I heard. I can't confirm because you know everything is just kind of so hush hush. But I heard that this sort of treatment is supposed to last two to four years. Now that's just speculation on my part because I heard that, but I did mm-hmm. hear that from uh, one of the media guys uh, out there, and I won't repeat the name because it's just you know, it's one of those guys that also heard it too. So yeah. So one of the things that you know we we're talking about in season, uh, since the teams no longer practice during uh, the bye week, I could see a guy going and getting this treatment on like the Monday of the bye week and getting that done. So then they have that week off where they're not going to practice or do anything anyways. They can still be in the facility and watch film and do the kind of stuff that they're going to do and then be back at work the following week. And I just had this vision of the entire team leasing a plane and flying wherever they're getting this treatment (laughs) and getting off and like literally, you know, Going in a, an assembly line kind of a situation into the office and back onto the plane and back. Home. I mean, you know, whatever. I, I think it's. <laughs> I think you're right, though. I mean, you could definitely see a few players uh, taking advantage of a bye week or something like that. So, so, um, so in 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 your research for this, uh, did you find any like major concerns that you would have, like? Things where you're like, hmm, I don't know if this is a good idea to have so many players be doing this. I did enough research, Keith, to understand what the Seahawks were doing. I did not go out and try to back story this thing out to see if this procedure was readily available or if other players in the league have taken advantage of it. Um, I haven't heard of this procedure before. Uh, other than my own doctor telling me about it, I didn't know it was going to be you know av- widely available. I just had no idea. So um, no, I did not hear anything positive or negative about it. Okay, because the only thing that I found that people when people were concerned uh, about it is just that anytime you have an injection into a joint capsule, is that what happens if you're something isn't sterile and you're um, so you're creating a chance for infection. And so if you end up with like a staph infection inside a joint because of this procedure, that player is going to be out for, you know, four to six weeks. They might have to have surgery. You know, there's there are some concerns there. But as long as there aren't those kind of complications, it sounds to me like from what I was reading that it will that there just isn't a lot of drawback. So I can't. I don't. I can see why the team is like, hey, you know, for the you guys that are starters that aren't going to play during week four of the preseason anyway, uh, we want to spend the next uh, week just looking at those back of the rotation guys to make roster decisions. Go get this done. You know, now is the best time. Right. Get out of here. Go get it done. Come back. We'll and we'll be ready to go. So. I know that you 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 just mentioned. Uh, I think probably one of the only drawbacks to this procedure is infection. It is a, a chance, obviously. Any time you cut yourself open or you're injecting something with a needle, <clears throat> you're taking a look at that. I think the uh, the chances of that are fairly slim to to none. Hopefully, uh, with a competent uh, doctor administering uh, these sorts of things. So, anyway, hopes are up for that procedure to work and I hope those guys feel good and we'll see them uh, at the first of the year. But today's show, let's get into it, Keith. Let's talk about 
the bubble players. And on our way to talking about bubble players, we're going to go ahead and kind of establish the uh, the roster as kind of we see it. Um, we might have a few players that we disagree with um, or some, some players that uh, – we see making the team, and I might see on the bubble and and um, and back and forth. But um, we we have a pretty good idea of who we're looking at on the on the fifty three. So let's just start and go through it. Uh, let's start with the quarterbacks. That seems to be somewhat easy on paper, but uh, based on the way Boykin played in the last game, it it does raise a little bit of a question. I have Russell Wilson making the team, obviously, and Boykin, uh, and I have Davis cut. Do you have anything different? I don't. Um, obviously, you know when you when a, when your backup quarterback goes out there and goes zero for six, and then the third string guy goes out there and plays, you know, competently and well, it's going to raise some questions. Uh, but Pete Carroll said after the game that you know things just weren't in rhythm, and he's not going to judge him based on you know six passes. And the other thing is that if you look back at the week before, when the team went into their four minute offense at the end of the game. They actually pulled Davis and stuck Boykin back. In yes, and he looked, and he looked competent, very competent, and and clearly above where Davis was playing in that game. Yeah. So I, I, <clears> I don't know that, what happened with Boykin, Keith. I mean, when I looked at the tape, uh, the whole offense looked discombobulated. It just wasn't Boykin. I mean, there, there were some missed assignments on blocking. Boykin was going going outside the pocket a little bit on on that. Um, Boykin was overthrowing. Uh, his receivers like by feet, not just by inches, um, under throwing just all over the place. It just didn't look good. And I don't know exactly what's going on there. And I don't know if it's all of Boykin's fault or if he just woke up on the wrong side of the bed or what, but hopefully he's going to get some decent playing time in this game. And we're going to find out, um, what happens though, if Boykin has an awful game again and Davis has, uh, you know, a, a 10 for 10 game, then I think Davis makes the roster. If Blinken, Blinken's going to get uh, the first half of this game and Davis is going to get the second half. And if Blinken goes out and plays terribly again and looks like he did against Kansas City and Davis comes out and plays well and looks like he did against Kansas City, I think Davis makes the roster. Uh, I don't think the team so wants I, so that, I guess, but I think it happens. So I guess that's that's the definition of a bubble player. Yeah, I mean, if right you there. if you play bad in one or two straight games and you could be off the team you're definitely on the bubble so I, I'm hoping for Boykin because I think he's a better fit I think he's a better quarterback I think he's got more opportunity to be more successful in the league as time goes on if not with our team with with another team at some point um, the next group I had on my list was the running back group Keith and this is where the first group that I have where it gets really kind of interesting it and it depends on how you define McKissick as a player um, do you define him as a running back and he took reps at running back in this last game or do you define him as a wide receiver they definitely want him on special teams because he's been really the only guy that's been returning kicks consistently um so i have my running back group making the team as eddie lacy thomas rawls cj Procise, uh carson and then um, cutting collins and davis and then i've got mckissick and so and then I've got we've got the fullback, so I want I'm going to have a fullback on the team. So that's five total in the running back group that I have. Um, do you go with six, which means that you might go with five wide receivers, or you need to cut somebody else in the group? Where do you see McKissick? Um, well, here's my thought on that when I was looking at this because this is a hard position group to nail down, and I count McKissick as a running back and not as a receiver because that's where his value is. 
Uh, and what you see him being used was he was the third down back with the starters, and then in the third or in the fourth quarter he came in and actually got some, you know, some reps as as an actual runner. But he was the third down back. Well, that's Procise's role. Now the team was going through and talking about how, or it was Tom Cable was talking about how frustrating it is that Procise just is never healthy. He's just never available to practice. He's never available to play. And I'm starting to look at this and I go, what if him or Rawls lands on injured reserve to start the year? With the whole, you know, they no longer have to designate a player to return, but they, they still can pull them back off of injured reserve. Now they, they, now they do need to stay there for six weeks. Yeah. So if you if you go, okay, let's stick Procise on injured reserve. We can pull him off, you know, uh mid-season, and that will open up the roster spot for McKissick. I could see that happening. And that I will do too, allow Keith. them to keep four, <clears throat> uh, four running backs and a fullback, so five backs total. You and I are seeing it exactly the same way, only I did it with the, in the wide receiver group. I was hoping that they could hide somebody uh, in, on IR in the wide receiver group, and I was looking at Darbo for that situation, and I was adding McKissick to the wide receiver uh, group. Um, I just don't, you know, something's going to have to happen. And I was thinking the exact same thing. That would be a way to solve it is if one of these guys that's legit nicked up somehow lands on the IR. Um, to me, that makes that, that would help protect one of those guys. And I think the team wants to do that. You know, they don't, they can't say that explicitly out loud, but, um, that is a way that I think that might happen. Um, well, because at- I don't see. Go ahead. If you look at the wide receiver groups, you know um, Lockett, Baldwin, Richardson are making the team. That's three. And so then you've got Kaysen Williams, Jermaine Kearse, McAvoy, Darbo, and Lawler, um, which is five guys competing for two spots. Yes. Um, And the reason why I say two spots is because I'm thinking... For in your situation, if you're going to count McKissick as a wide receiver, you've got to get him in there as the sixth wideout. Right. Um, so you have those five guys competing for two spots. Well, you know, a lot of people are going to scoff at the fact that I included Jermaine Curse in that group, but I could see him being traded just entirely because of roster math. Um, I could also see him making the team and, you know, being the third wide out and and and, it, and, and every that. indication so, doesn't seem like the team is ready to give up on darbo so everything we hear about darbo is like super positive to talk about you know his hands and his route running and all of that we just haven't seen it in a game because he's been he's been banged up he's been hurt he got got a concussion he's was out this week and so he's a guy that is the team loves him but at the same time are they gonna uh, have him make a roster spot over someone who's healthy and has been, you know, proving that he can make plays like a, a Tanner McAvoy. Uh, yeah, let's talk about Tanner McAvoy, Keith, because I think it does come down to Darbo or McAvoy. You think? Okay, so you think it comes down to, to those one of those two guys? Um, it, well, I do because I think Kesson Williams is on the team, and there's nobody else on my cut list that 
that comes close. Lawler's on there. David Moore. I don't think they want to see him, but they'll probably revert him to the practice squad. Grayson didn't show enough. Rodney Smith, Darius Rogers, those guys are are gone. So comes down to Darbo and, and McAvoy for me. And then McKissick's in there too if you add him as a receiver, depending on what you do with him. Yeah, so you end up with a situation where you have uh, Darbo, McAvoy, and McKissick uh, competing for one spot. And unless you put like CJ Procise on IR with the idea that he'll return and uh, stash McKissick as a running back. And so you end up with that, you know, with, with the... It, it comes down to somebody. Ha- there's, there's something has to give here, right? So if you it- there's an opportunity too there for Lockett. I mean, I know that everyone's been talking about Lockett's going to be ready for the first game. Lockett's going to be ready. Lockett's ready. He's doing great, but we haven't seen Lockett. <clears throat> and you know how how Pete is. He's highly optimistic on these situations. They get get to down to the the week where uh, the games really start and maybe he's not quite ready or he's only 90% and they need a roster spot and they put him on I don't on see them doing that for Lockett. I think this is more of a situation where kind of like uh, Chris Clemens when he came back from his knee injury in the playoffs where, yeah, he wasn't ready week one and week two he only played like 12 plays, but he was you know ready to, ready to go and be a starter after that. And so they went ahead and just... It's kind of like Graham was last year yeah. then. Um, I think they're they're more willing to, to run with that with Lockett because he's such a good player and he's such a key part of what they do that they're willing to give him that spot rather than have him be gone for most of the season because of the waiting for that well, it, it, part to it, come off. You're right. It does come down to Lockett, though, in a way because he affects McKissick. So if Lockett isn't going to return kicks or punts, which I don't think the team's going to throw him out there the first week of the season – when he hasn't had anything going on in games, you know, McKissick has got to make the team just for that. Yeah, uh, it, I, I agree. I think that they, I think they kind of painted themselves on a bit of a corner here because McKissick has dropped um, a number of, yeah, a number I know. of kicks and, and punts during the preseason and even more in practice. And so I, I am a bit scared of the fact that he is their only option, but he is their only option. And so. I'm actually shocked, Keith, that out of a 90-man roster, they didn't have another guy. I mean, I know that uh, Grayson got some looks back there, but not well, enough to 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 make a to make a legit run at that position. He really struggled and, catching the ball on those kicks. Um, well, so did McKissick. True, but it's one thing when you've got a guy that they believe they can um, have be a contributor in other ways on the team. Whereas uh, Grayson was really, I mean, that was his, if he was going to make the team, he needed to step up and own yeah. the returner job, and he never did. So I think that was, so that was what happened. So let me there. ask you this so that we can move forward. How do you resolve the running backs and the wide receivers with McKissick? I think. And with McAvoy and Darbo, I mean, what is, what is your solution? It's hard. Um, I don't think that the team worries enough about losing McAvoy because they have other options. Uh, it would it would suck to have him get cut and yeah, go, he'll go to suck. some other team and look good and be good. Um, but he's one of those things where... That last catch that he had with Davis throwing to him uh, towards the sideline there, and he, he went up, got the ball, jumped down onto the close to the sideline and scampered in for that touchdown. That shows exactly why you got to keep a guy like McAvoy. Now, I totally understand what you're saying, Keith, 
But, you know, if you have uh, Jimmy Graham, for example, double teamed in the red zone <clears throat> going into the end zone, and you've got McAvoy out there on the other side, uh, you've got two guys that can go up for a jump ball. And if McAvoy is single cover, um, presumably on, uh, on a lesser talented uh, defensive back or a, even a linebacker that drops back into coverage or a safety, he could win those, those jump balls. Yeah, but his skill set isn't uh, entirely unique because you've also got Kaysen Williams uh, on the roster. And he, I mean, sure, he's three inches shorter, but he's got uh, like six inches more of a vert. So you can totally stick Kaysen out there and ha- have the same effect going on. I, I just don't see yeah. it. <clears throat> I agree. I think McAvoy, though, you cut McAvoy, you lose McAvoy. He's not going to end up reverting onto your practice squad, I don't think. Now, there's a chance that he could. There's a lot of players that are going to be cut at uh, all at the same time, and we'll talk about that later. But uh, I don't, I'm not seeing McAvoy making it through to the practice squad if, if he's the casualty. But I totally understand. You've got to cut somebody. Mm-hmm. And I don't think they're ready to give up on a third-round pick Darbo just yet. He's shown too much promise not only on his uh, college tape, but in practice throughout the uh, preseason and in camp. Uh, they know what McAvoy can do for them. Um, yeah. yeah, I just don't think it comes down to, to speed and route running and so forth. And McAvoy, while he appears open a lot, he is really only uh, targeted uh, a few times a game and I think Darbo might give you more potential as time goes on. Yeah, and so that it really comes down to that. I mean, I, I put uh, Kenny Lawler in there because of his status as the draft pick the year before and because he's made some plays um, this year. But to me, he's the first one to go. And then I think uh, probably McAvoy and then you have Darbo. Uh, but as you said earlier, you know, Darbo's been hurt. We haven't seen him much in the games. And if he has some sort of, you know, injury that lingers he's a guy that could stick on IR with the idea that they could pull him off midseason and, uh, you know, give him some playing time yeah. as a rookie. So he he would basically, it's not even a full red shirt situation where they just like stash him and then bring him back next year because they could bring him off IR and get him some playing t- time and some practice and give him a chance to, uh, you know, do something with his rookie season and learn and be ready for next year. So let's move on to the offensive line. And uh, just quickly, I've got either nine or eight guys, depending on the nine or eight guys you might keep on the defensive line. So I've got Brett, Glowinski, Boucher, Posick, Jokel, Odiambo, Afedi, and either Tobin or Roos or both of them. And then I've got uh, Cut, Hunt, Parasak, Brown, Tyrus Thomas and and possibly Tobin or or Roos, depending on who could make the practice squad. Possibly. Well, I have I have Tobin making the roster because he is the only um, backup left tackle. Like he's the, he's that swing player that that Reese Odiambo was supposed to be, um, and so I have him. Uh, making it, I have Posick making it as a backup, uh, mainly for being a center, but he can also back up uh, guard and uh, you know tackle on the right side. And then whoever doesn't ma- ma- win the starting job of uh, Glowinski and Abushi, so that gives you eight 
um, offensive line, I mean, the five starters and then those three as your backups. And I kind of was thinking that they'll go with nine, and it comes down to Parasak or Roos uh, to me. And you keep Parasak because of his versatility. He can play three spots. Or you keep Roos because of the fact that he just has a really high upside and you don't want to lose him. Yeah, I agree. I think that you keep Roos for me. Um, I think that there's a there's a higher likelihood that Roos could make that practice squad. I'm not so concerned about Parasak. If they cut Parasak, I think they're done with him. Uh, I if they if they go with Roos though, I'm, I'm I could definitely see them going with nine guys on the on the roster there, uh, but that will dictate another move uh, as we go forward on the roster somewhere else. Um, I just don't see him going into the season with eight. It's it's really hard for me. Um, maybe they can pick up, you know, maybe they cut uh, another safety or something. But we can take a look at that as we as we go forward. So yeah, I see Roos as being on the bubble. Parasak certainly on the bubble. I think Hunt is off the bubble, and I think he's just off the team at this mm-hmm. point. Um, so that's a pretty good group. I mean, I feel comfortable with that group. A lot more comfortable than I did last year. Last year was a complete hot mess at the back end of that roster. The starting five were okay, but once you got into the depth situation, it, it literally had. I think it ruined the season. Honestly, I think that we were a decent playoff team, possibly going deeper into the playoffs with a really decent offensive line. Maybe Russ doesn't get hurt. I don't know. Well, I, it's all speculation. Russ got hurt so early in the season, but. Um, I think that offensive line made it very difficult to win games in the playoffs. So, but with this group, I have a higher probability of confidence that we can do the job, especially from what I've seen in the preseason. So, an interesting thing I know we're talking about the bubble and not just the roster battles, but the Glowinski Abushi um, battle for that right guard spot, which has not been decided yet, with Luke Jokel being out. Uh, this yeah. week, because if he's going through that mystery knee procedure, um, it is Abushi moving to left guard and yep. not, not Golinski, which I thought was really, really interesting. Um, well, that tells you that, that Golinski has got that right, t- right I guard I kind of think it does, because we are in that point in the, uh, you know, the preseason where... Going into the fourth game, you know who your starters are because they're not going to play, or they're yeah. going to play one series. And then it's all about what goes on after the starters. And the fact that Glowinski seems to have wrapped up that starter's yeah. job now, uh, and they're making a Bushi move, I thought was was very interesting. Of course, it's Tom Cable. I think so that is interesting, that, too. But yeah. Well, I think it's interesting, Keith, because um, it would have been real easy for Pete to, to say, hey, or, or Cable. To, to say, hey, Glow, you played left guard all all last year. Uh, Bushi's new to this team and new to the spot. We're going to just throw you over there for this game and whatever. That would have kind of thrown that whole uh, who's then going to be the right guard thing. I think this now tells you that Glowinski uh, secured that right guard spot. And it kind of, it, it, it then gave you the starting five because now you're going to have Odio on both left tackle you're going to have Jokel at left guard, uh, Britt at center, Glowinski at right guard, and Afedi at right tackle. That's your starting five. Yep, agreed. And uh, an idea, something to keep an eye on just for salary cap purposes is what happens if the team decides not to keep Abushi um, 
on the roster because of the fact he didn't win the starting job. I think it would be a mistake to cut him, but they've done weirder things in the past. Yeah, I mean, if you went with, if you decided you were going to go with eight linemen and you decided that Roos has more upside and you cut Abushi, that would make sense. But I, yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't know. I mean, Abushi has spent all his, most of his time on the right side, but maybe this move over to the left is, is just a sign that, I don't yeah. know. I mean, I don't want to read too much into the tea leaves, but what happens when um, if Luke Jokel, you know, hurts his knee after three games like he did last year, and you don't have right Abushi there as a backup ready to step well, in? Well, I tell you what, you cut you cut Abushi, somebody's going to well, pick him up. Of course they are. He's not. He's not going to. Yeah, he's just too valuable as a backup in the league. Well, he's I think. a guy with a considerable starting experience, so I think it would be right, a major mistake. Right. But at the same time, like I said, they've done weirder things in the past. So we have one. So let's talk about the defensive we, we line. Have, we have one oh, more offensive position to talk about, and that was tight end. And yeah, okay. Remember, the reason I didn't talk about him is because I didn't think it was a bubble situation. But well, the ahead. only reason why I brought brought that up is Luke Wilson cannot stay healthy. He is. He, they got brought back on a one year deal, and you've got swoops with all that interesting story, interesting potential athleticism. Can you see a situation where they keep swoops over Wilson and play that just because of Wilson's inability to stay healthy? What do you think, Bill? Maybe on a in a different year, Keith, but I think they're in total win-now mode. Um, and so they keep Wilson because of the experience and proven ability uh, to catch the ball in, in game situations. I think swoops, uh, while promising can make it through to the practice squad. And so I think that they do that. I think swoops goes to the practice squad. What are uh, your no, thoughts? I, I actually agree with that, but I just, I saw that as a potential, like, uh, you know, a surprise that could happen this year. And we'd be like, Whoa, that's, unexpected yeah there are going to be some surprises Keith, and and quite frankly they could come on a on a number of different position groups and uh you know davis could surprise and boy could could be out because they like davis better they they think that he can control the offense better uh mckissick makes the team maybe uh they trade uh rawls or pro size who you know Mm -hmm. what i'm saying who knows because those guys can't stay healthy um, maybe Rawls or Procise ends up on the practice squad. And so they were able to kind of remake that group a little bit. Um, the wide receiver group is a toss up with Darbo and McAvoy and stuff. They don't want to give up McAvoy. They like McAvoy. They want to see him, uh, be on the team. They value him on special teams as well. Uh, you know, you could go through almost all the position groups and, and we'll go through the defense. Um, it's, it's crazy this year, which is a good thing to have. I mean, uh, the last couple of years, I thought our talent level on the on as far as depth was you know marginal, but there really wasn't a lot of bubble guys that you could that you felt really bad about the team having to let go at the end of the season. This year, it's going to be crazy. Mm-hmm. Um, so let's talk about the defensive line, Keith. I've got uh, Bennett, Averill, Ruben, Reed, Clark, Jones, Marsh, and. Uh, I'm going to go with, <laughs> if I go with nine, yeah, if I go with nine, there's going to have to be somebody else that let, gets let go. So either Jefferson or Bass. I mean, these are where the uh, the bubble things uh, exist. So you've got Marsh, Jefferson, Bass, 
Smith, if you if you uh, add like Marcus Smith to that, whether you define him as an edge rusher or a Leo, which Pete Carroll did come out and say they want to use him as a Leo, or whether you look at him as a linebacker, I, it's it's tough. I mean, it depends. It really doesn't matter if they make the roster; they're going to go back and forth. But how do you see that group, Keith? And who are your uh, bubble guys on the defensive well, line? I you have it just as, as defensive line in general, and I tried to do separated into uh, defensive end and defensive tackle a little bit, uh, mainly just because the numbers were too big and it was it was just overwhelming to try and figure this out. Um, and so what I looked at is I looked at you because obviously you've got the three start the three starting defensive end because I include Frank Clark in there. and then the next group you have um, like Martian bass or the guys that are that are there. So do you keep four or do you keep five? And then with defensive tackle, you know, you've got uh, Reuben Reed and Jones, right? All those guys are making the team. And then you've got uh, Quentin Jefferson, Garrison Smith, and then uh, Co, um, who has really shown up big time in the uh, later in the preseason games. And so you're going to have people that are be like, hey, you should make the team. Um, and so you look at that group and you go, okay, there's five guys. Pick three. Because that's the way it works. You have you you've got three defensive ends and three defensive tackles. You know that are going to make the team. You, between those and those five guys, pick three. So if you want to keep both, yeah, Bass I'm and going. Marsh, I'm going with. Yeah, I'm going with Bass and Marsh. So Marsh has actually looked good this preseason. I'm actually surprised at the level of play that Marsh is playing at. Now, granted, a lot of that's coming in second team, but he's. He's stepping up and putting pressure on the on the quarterback, and he's also playing the run well. So I'm keeping Marsh. Yeah, see, he did that last year too. So I'm definitely I'm keeping I'm keeping Marsh too, and I'm keeping Garrison Smith as my uh, pass rushing defensive tackle. This is a role that he, when Quentin Jefferson got hurt last year, Garrison Smith took over that role and played well in it until Garrison Smith got hurt, and then the Seahawks were kind of stuck. Um, and so I'm keeping those two. And so that leaves me with Bass, Quentin Jefferson, and Co. as pick one. And I would say, yeah. I think I think Co. can make it through the practice squad or is just replaceable. So then you go, okay, what do you need more? Do you need another outside rusher or do you need another inside rusher? Yeah. Um, Bass and, and Quentin Jefferson. I think inside rushers are harder to find. So I would go with, uh, with Quentin Jefferson. But... Bass plays special teams. Like, he actually is in there blocking on uh, punts and gets downfield after blocking uh, and covers stuff. Quentin Jefferson doesn't do those kind of things. It's a real tough pick, but I think that the defensive tackle may be more valuable, and that's the only reason why I picked him over Bass. But, man, that was a tough, tough That's That's a tough cut, too, and Christian French has looked good. Um, Yeah, that's that's a... tough one there uh i i tend to agree with you keith and also um they need to look at the level of competition uh i think that they are looking at jefferson as somebody that they believe can compete on that first team second unit level and uh when you really take a look at bass in the preseason while he's looked really strong and capable he has been doing that against second and third team guys that that's the only difference for me is uh, mm-hmm. and and uh but bass could certainly make the team 
almost on any other year. Um, this is a real tough one. Again, uh, this is, you go up and down the roster, you've got a decision like this, almost every position group. But I agree with you. So how about we kind of go into the linebackers? Uh, Wagner, Wright, Wilhoit, Garvin, Alexander, and Marcus Smith are mine. I've cut McDonald, Morgan, uh, uh, Otha Peters, Butler, and Palacio. Anything different? So you're keeping six linebackers. Yes. Yeah, um, I honestly have no idea about DJ Alexander. Um, just simply because I just... He's one of those guys that he they traded for him. I expected to see him and expected to see him do more. Right, and I just right. don't feel like we've gotten that chance and he missed this last week because of the knee injection procedure thing that we talked about earlier. And so it's just, I am so unsure. I don't think they're going to cut him, but I, I just really wonder what, where his role is. Um, and, and listening to Pete's presser from yesterday, uh, he likes DJ Alexander as that pro bowl special teams guy. Not so much as a linebacker. I don't think he makes the team as a linebacker guy. I think they really value him as the, in that special teams role. Um, although he hasn't had a chance to really show it a lot yet. They've got all the, the tape on him. He's made the Pro Bowl and so forth in that role. So I see him making it, um, at least initially. There's a chance that uh, they replace a guy like Alexander on the roster. Uh, after all of the cuts, there's 1,200 players, literally 1,200 players, uh, going to be out of jobs in the NFL after this this next game is over as we move forward towards the uh, regular season game. And there's, so there's going to be some roster moves after the 53 is set for the Seahawks. The Seahawks aren't necessarily going to be done. And that particular spot to me is one of the susceptible spots on the team to, that they will continue to look at. I like Marcus Smith as well, so I couldn't leave him off that group. Um, he looks like he's got some really nice potential uh, being kind of the edge guy uh, for them. What do you think? See, when you start talking about, uh, you know, linebackers and special teams, the guy you kind of have to not ignore is Dewey McDonald. I know he's only six uh, foot and 229. He's like tiny, but he was brought in last year to be a special team standout. He's a previously a safety. The Seahawks moved him to linebacker, and he's made a few plays in the preseason, like enough. For me to be like, hmm, I just kind of assumed he'd be cut uh, because they did have a guy like Alexander there. But now, you know, if he's making plays on the defense and he actually got some playing time uh, mm -hmm. when KJ Wright was out, you know, with the ones early in game. So I'm not ready to say he's easily cut, but I think he's a bubble guy. Um, but other than that, yeah, I mean, you've got a, you've got a bunch of guys that are. I think we're fairly set uh, on who it's going to be. I mean, you're not going to see um, Garvin get cut. You're not going to see yeah. um, Will Hoyt get cut. So the, the the roster seems fairly set there. And the good news is, Keith, is that we were able to move on from Coyle last year and Morgan and really upgrade that position group. You, you know, and you take a look at McDonald. I agree, he's on the bubble, but boy, they just don't have room. They just don't. So at the next position group that I had was corner. 
And if you look at the corner and safety group kind of together, there's really some hard choices here. This is one of the, this is the area of the roster where it's going to be really challenging. So you've got, uh, at least I do in my group, I've got Sherman, Lane, Griffin as locks. And then I've got a whole bunch of guys that you could, that are all on the bubble. Okay. So you've got Brock, who they just signed, Desir, Tyson. Nico Thorpe, McRae, and Elliot are all guys, depending on how they want to build their roster, what guys look like they're going to fit better in the slot, uh, nickel corners uh, versus outside guys. Um, they're looking at health of these guys, who, who plays better on special teams. To me, I think Tyson is probably cut in on the practice squad if possible. Um McRae is cut. Uh, it comes down to me. Brock makes the team. It comes down to Desir, Thorpe, and Elliot. And I like all three of those guys, Keith. What do you do? Well, um, you put Brock on the team and I don't. So there's that. Um, but yeah, so you, if you are... So you're looking at... Uh, I was looking at five corners. See, I was looking at six corners. But, and you could put six, but I, then I added, then I, you have to have either one less linebacker or one less defensive line or take it from the offense somewhere well, or something. Don't yes you? Yes or no. You can get, we have room for 10 defensive backs. You keep six corners and four safeties. Um, yeah, I had five and five. five. But but we, we both have 10 defensive backs. So, um, so I look at this and I go, what you need for for these guys is you got to have um you look at the team and you go okay you got to make sure that you have guys that can play in the slot because right now you have Jeremy Lane that's going to be in that position and who else um I had Brock so you have Brock as the backup slot corner and yes um that's an option. Shaquille Griffin is an option. DeAndre Elliott technically is an option, but he just hasn't adapted to being in the slot. He's a guy that needs to be on the outside. Um, and then you look at, okay, who are you guys on the outside? Well, you've got, um, you've got Sherman and Griffin as your, as your two starters on the outside. And then who's behind them? Yeah, so I had Sherman and Griffin, and then I had Lane and Brock, and then I have one guy. Uh, I had either Thorpe, Elliott, or Desir making the team. But you have six and four, so you've got Desir, Thorpe, and Elliott with two of those making I the have, team, right? I have. Or or Brock is not on the team, so you've I got have, I have, Desir, I have Thorpe, Des- and Elliott along with Sherman, Lane, and Griffin. I have Thorpe, Sherman, Lane, and Griffin. Five. And then I say the team has a sixth, and you're picking between Brock and Elliot, and that is your to me that is your roster bubble. You're picking between those two guys yep. to be your sixth the um, corner, um, you know between uh, Brock and Elliot, and so you're you're deciding between them or an extra safety. I think they take take a corner. And then in that case, it comes down to special teams, and then Elliot would make the roster over Brock because Brock's not going to do that. Um, 
that does put the team in a little bit of a hole as far as slot corner goes if if Lane gets hurt. But um, that's how I saw it break down. But it was really tough because you have those two guys in there versus the fifth safety, which we'll get to in just a second. So if we look at the safeties, obviously um, Cam, Earl, McDougal, they're in. And then after that, I think Hill is in. And so those are your four. And then your fifth one is uh, Tedrick Thompson, right? And so now you go Thompson, who has not played well at all in the preseason and is going to be buried on the depth chart behind McDougal as the third free safety. So you're you're deciding between him and those two guys that we were just talking about at corner. Yep, and it comes down to diversity yeah. at that point. Pick pick one. Be, because all of them are pretty decent. I mean, Tedrick Thompson has proven in college anyway that he, he's a very decent cover mm-hmm. guy um, and makes plays on the ball. He's a ball hawk um, and, and, a, and plays the run effectively. Um, and then Elliott, uh, not so much. I mean, he doesn't play the run like a safety, uh, but he offers you some special teams coverage downfield better than Thompson does. Um, boy, I'm, yeah, you're right. I mean, there's some decisions to be made. And and I would say, too, that Thorpe and Desir are not complete locks on the team as well. Um, to me, Brock, Desir, Thorpe, and Elliott are kind of all in the bubble as far as having somewhat equal skills in general. Now, they're specialized areas of their skill sets that the, the team is more familiar with even than I am, where they're looking at it as a structure, that the, the entire structure of that position group, not just a single player that, you know, like you said before, who's going to back up who, you know, who's going to be the gunner on special teams? Do we need more safety help because uh, somebody that we don't know is fighting some injuries? You know, all those things kind of come into play at this time of the year. That's a tough, that, those 10 guys that we just talked about are, are one of the toughest cuts on the team. There's other guys on the team in other positions uh, that are equally as talented and are tough, but as a position group, we're talking about cutting loose uh, three or four players that could land on other well, rosters. One of the things that just talking through, um, you know, with some agents and some scouts from other teams. Uh, There are teams, especially uh, the Arizona Cardinals, that are sitting there watching Seattle's defensive backs and praying that the Seahawks cut uh, Pierre Desir because they'll grab him, and by week two or three, he'll be a starter. Um, And so it's one of those things where teams are looking at Seattle's defensive backs and are like, these guys are good. You know, if the Seahawks decide to do kind of the, um, you know, the unthinkable and, and, and cut a guy like McDougal and, you know, save some cap room, he'll be picked up by, you know, a team like Detroit and he'll be a starter, you know, by week three. Uh, so they're, and Nico Thorpe is going to get picked up just for his special True, teams. And he proved, he's proved last year and even um, when he was with Oakland that he can play on defense. So there is no reason to believe that he isn't going to, um, 
you know, could be able to contribute, not just on special teams. So these are guys that I, I, I think other teams are going to covet. And the, the Seahawks have to recognize that and, and go, okay, let's, maybe we're better off, you know, keeping only five linebackers to start the year and running with an extra defensive back for special teams purposes. Um, or, you know, something along those lines, or maybe, uh, running with only eight offensive line to keep an extra defensive pack because this is a really, really yes. talented group. Or an extra wide receiver mm-hmm. or you know, an extra running back, especially if they feel if Rawls or Procise are not quite 100%. Yeah. But they don't want to put them on IR to start the season mm-hmm. because they don't want to go five or six games without those guys. So, so I, it, going through and looking at um, the, what we've talked about, I've been keeping notes as we go through we actually have, we have 25 on defense, 9 on the defensive line, 6 at linebacker, and 10 defensive backs, both of us. Obviously, we didn't even talk about the specialists, but we know who those three are. And Walsh, Ryan, and Ott, yeah. they've made the okay. team. Okay, so we, now we've talked about them. That's all they're going to get. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> and then on offense, we have um, two quarterbacks, four running backs, a fullback, three tight ends, six wide receivers, and nine offensive linemen, which is 25. Yes. But the only reason why that works is if they put someone like Procise on injured reserve to keep McKissick. Um, yeah, I do think they're going to pull a trick like that, Keith, because they they we have talked about about fifteen to twenty players that are legit bubble players. Mm-hmm. Normally, a team will have less than ten uh, going into the final game. You know, final cuts. You know, normally at this time we've already gone down to seventy-five players. We're still at ninety. Um, but these, all these players that we mentioned would have been part of a 75 man roster too. I mean, these are legit bubble players. Um, so (laughs) that, that final cut is just going to be a bloodbath. I mean, it's literally going to be so brutal. I mean, and people are going to get hurt uh, as far as fans feelings. Um, it, it's not going to be a, a very nice day. It's not going to be a feel-good day. I mean, there's going to be a couple of feel-good roster moves overall, Some maybe a surprise or two. Um, but I think you're going to need a trick like a an IR move to hide somebody. And that somebody, to me, is going to be Darbo. See, I could see it being Darbo, and, and I could see it being precise. I could see them doing both. Uh, because it's just so hard and because you've got two guys that they know the talent is there, but they just haven't been able to be healthy enough uh, so far in training camp in the preseason to show it. And I think I'm, I'm comfortable enough with McAvoy making the team over Darbo. If Darbo lands on IR and I'm comfortable enough with Carson, the emergence of Carson to take, uh, some of that, um, or, or McKissick, but I think you, you try Carson at it first, taking some of those plays that Procise would have had, catching the ball out of the backfield and stuff. Carson's looked real impressive doing he's that. He's very, very good. Um, I mean, he's not going to give you the breakaway speed that Procise does, but boy, talk about a legit talent that has emerged uh, for the Seahawks this year that was a surprise. I mean, at that level, at that draft pick, you're not expecting Carson to make the team. No, but at the same at and the same time, you Rawls was an undrafted free agent, um, so one of the things we've learned over the years is that the NFL is really poor at grading and evaluating college running backs. Uh, they just don't 
do it very well. Uh, the number of first-round busts is high. The number of undrafted free agents that turn out to be really, really good is high. Um, and so with running backs, you, you kind of have to kind of ignore draft slot more than you would with other positions. Who's a guy that we've mentioned that's on the bubble that gets cut that you're going to feel the worst about? Oh, that's a good question. That's a tough question. Um, Quentin Jefferson. I could see that. And I'll feel... Uh, I, I, I would feel bad about that. I feel bad about Alex Collins because I think he's a good running back and he's just overwhelmed right now with too much talent on the roster. Um, another guy that I would feel bad about would be... David Bass. I think David Bass looks like he could be a rotation guy, but on this roster, he would be a tough cut. I I, I don't know that they're going to cut him, but he's he's on a bubble, and if he were to be cut, I would feel bad. Yeah, that would that one would be hard. That's, these this is a tough. This is a good roster. Really this is a is. situation that we're talking about here where. Uh, this roster is has got the depth of 2013. Not saying that the roster is as good, but boy, on paper, it's we've got just as many uh, tough decisions to make uh, this next week. Think about it, Keith. 1,200 players are going to get cut off teams in in less than a week. Mm-hmm. And you actually seen teams start to do that process now. They don't have to. Um, but they're so used to cutting from 90 to 75 this week that like the Bears released eight players today. Seven. Yeah. Well, and some some teams want to give guys the best chance possible mm-hmm. to land on a different roster. Yep. So you, you have seen teams starting that process. And the other thing is that you, if there are guys that you absolutely know are not going to make your team, you want that means you, it doesn't hurt to let them go and give you a better chance to evaluate the you know the guys that you're really trying to decide upon and that's what this fourth preseason game is about it's so much about the starters will play a series and really they don't need to play at all and that's why the Seahawks have five guys that go get this I don't want Wilson to I play want, I just literally don't want Wilson don't, to play Wilson doesn't need to play Jimmy Graham doesn't need to play Richard Sherman doesn't need to play both our safeties don't need to play Michael Bennett Cliff Averill, they're not going to play anyways because they're getting their their blood, you know, draw thing done this week. But those guys, yeah, don't don't be in there. Bobby Wagner, nope. KG Wright, nope. You know what I mean? Just... Yeah, let's let's <laughs> ask the Oakland fans to play pay full price for that game, shall we? Okay. Um, <laughs> you know, it'd be it'd be nice. You know, if the NFL did this, I I think that it would be an amazing gesture, is to uh, discount that fourth game like half price and let fans that normally don't get a chance to go to an NFL game and have that preseason experience be able to go to a game because um, it's it's a crime <laughs> to have fans pay full price for a game where literally two-thirds of the starters aren't even going to see a single play. Yeah, and it, it, it's, it's frustrating for fans. Um, to me, what they should do is not make it mandatory for season ticket holders. Give them the option to buy their, their seats or not. Or um, 
before this the spring uh, spring training, but uh, preseason games. And if they choose not to, then they can sell. You know, then those tickets get sold to the to the public so that there's more available. Uh, and then if there's yeah. wait, if there's so many more available out there, then it won't be so hard to get a ticket. And so the prices can come down because right now the reason why they don't, the reason why they don't drop the price for the fourth preseason game, is because people will pay it because it's the only game they can get to this year. Because you know the waiting list is to get tickets is so long, and it sucks. It really does. So as we move into the fourth game, Keith, what are you looking for other than the obvious? Are uh, are there any of these bubble guys that can make the team on this on this performance, um, or are you just anxious to get it over and move on to the regular season at this point? A little of both. I mean, I I want there are guys I want to see because I want to see if Trey Madden can do enough at fullback to make um, Marcel Reese expendable for a week. Um, I want to see if, you know, David Bass can continue to make plays enough that it forces the team. You can't keep him off yeah, the team. Yeah, it forces right, right. the team to make a tough decision with Quentin Jefferson. Or have Quentin Jefferson just flat show up and dominate on the interior and force the team to make a tough decision with David Bass. I mean, that there are there's that. I mean, I, I just... I like this fourth preseason game, season game. I know most fans hate it because the starters don't play and you're watching a lot of guys that will be selling insurance three weeks from now. Um, but I these are these are where careers start because a lot of guys had a lot of guys that were starters now, there was a point in their career where they were fighting for that last roster spot. And I just really enjoy watching those guys play and i know that says a lot about me and how i'm just insane sure. about no i did the same way that, but yeah i just i really enjoy this part of the game and a week from now next week's show we're talking about all the guys that got cut and as you've said multiple times in the, during the show the uh 1200 guys that are cut and yes some of them will land on practice squads and other guys will end up on on injured reserve and that kind of stuff but for a lot of those 1,200 guys that are cut, this is the end of their dream. This is the end. Yeah, 300, 300 guys, 320 guys will end up on a practice yep. squad. Everybody else is out of a job. Yeah, and a few of those guys will be street-free agents that land with teams um, you know, mid-season and that kind of stuff as guys go on in, injured reserve. But for a lot of them, that's it. And if they don't get in on a futures contract at the end of the year, uh, which most of them won't because... If they right. haven't been playing all year, right? That means no one was interested enough to put them on a practice squad. That means they're done. They're either playing in Canada next year or they're moving on to their post-football life. And so it's really kind of a sad moment for all of these players to realize that the end of their football life has come. And it's, it's so, really rough. It's, it's not, a, not my favorite part of the year. Definitely not my favorite part. So, so far through... Preseason, offseason, preseason, preseason games, practice. Name me one player on offense and one player on defense who've been your standout so far. Uh, the offense. How can you not say uh, Chris Carson? I mean, just well, you could say Russell Wilson. Well, you could, but 
Russell Wilson, I guess, I guess I wouldn't say he's standing out because this is what we expect of him. We expect him to be dominant. We expect him to be, you know, really, really good. Chris Carson just wowed everybody. Came out, came out of nowhere, yeah, nowhere, absolutely. Yeah. Um, on defense, it's a little harder for me because I think we early on I would have said uh, would have said Chat Griffin, but his play has kind of tapered off um, a little bit, and I haven't really had someone step up and take that mantle from him. Maybe if I. I think Naz Jones for me. You know, that's actually, that's a really good one. I was forgetting about him. I was going to go um, Garvin, but again, he he was yeah, a little bit like, Garvin looks good too. A little bit like Shaq Griffin where he started out really hot and did really well early on and then it's kind of tapered off a little bit and, you know, come back down to earth a little bit. But you're right. Naz Jones is the, is the obvious answer and one that I should have, I should definitely have come up with on my own and didn't. So you went, you and the defense. Uh, yeah, <laughs> can, we, can we throw Blair Walsh into that too? I'm happy. Yeah, I'm color me happy and satisfied with that total the Blair Walsh project because uh, going in, obviously, both of us were skeptics. Uh, how could you not be mm-hmm. uh, after the the season and a half that Blair Walsh came in uh, out of? Uh, cut from his team for straight free agent for the end of the season. Didn't get really picked up until well into the, you know, the off season. Um, he's done everything that the team's asked him. The only thing is he, he needs to be a little bit more consistent on his kickoffs. A couple of his kickoffs has been short and it's cost us a couple different times. Uh, one for a touchdown. Yeah. Um, I have, I don't know what was going on with that, but there are a couple of times the way he was kicking it, it looked like the coaches asked him to drop the ball down around the goal line rather than to, to kick it through the end zone like they just to see their special teams yeah play. because they needed to see what was going on and actually give I, I totally agree with that so and I don't know if that's yeah. true or not it just that's what it looked like to me um and yeah so we'll see I mean this I we'll see because if it is a problem going forward well then we knew it was a problem and if it's not well then we go oh well it was probably because the team was asking him to, to kick it that way so Right, um, but it's one of those things that they want yeah, to and his away. and his deep his deep kickoffs have looked deep and nice, mm-hmm. and so I think it it is probably the latter. You know, teams probably asked him to drop it in so they could see their coverages and all that kind of stuff. I mean, that would only make sense. I mean, as a team, you would definitely want to see your coverages in a preseason game as opposed to seeing them for the first time in, <laughs> in a regular yeah. season game. Yeah, yeah, and we saw when he when he did drop it on the goal line, we saw a problem. We saw Jermaine Curse get way out of position, and um, did right. Anthony Thomas go? Okay, I'll take it ninety five yards for a touchdown, um, and that was ugly. But you know, they they got to learn, they got to practice, they got to get it, they got to get it right. So next week's show, Keith, is going to be uh, really interesting. I mean, we're not going to review the game because the game is just going to be one of those games that are just, you're just going to forget after you after you watch it. But we're going to be talking about players because by the time we record next week, we're going to have uh, the 53-man roster is going to be set. Uh, we're going to see all the other cuts around the league, uh, if, if anything or any type of moves is interesting to the Seahawks. We're going to start to see the uh, 10-man uh, practice squad roster uh, form. Um, 
Any thoughts about next week's show and what we're going to be talking about and, and what we're looking for, uh, looking forward to for that first game with Green Bay? Well, I, we will definitely be talking about the 53 and and the, the practice squad, but we need to keep in mind that just because a guy makes the 53 doesn't mean that he's on the week one roster because that first round of cuts, you get down to 53, is the roster changes 24 hours later because all, it's when all the waiver claims uh, get awarded and then teams have to you know shuffle the roster again and and usually there's a couple of rounds of that before the roster settles in for week yeah one. and it's going to be brutal this time because all those cuts come at the exact same yeah. time before they were spaced out over the uh you know two or three cuts uh throughout preseason and this time it's just boom they're all going to land at the same time that first week is going to be crazy i know that before the show we were talking about agents uh what the agents are going to be doing for 1200 players you know, in, in literally one mm-hmm. week, just that logistics, the logistics of 1,200 players landing in free agents. Now, not all of them are obviously, but you're going to legit, uh, half of them are guys that you could legit look at as landing on rosters, whether it's practice squad, you know, 320 are on practice squad. You mentioned fr- street free agents, uh, you know, after that, it's probably another 100 players that are legit street free agents that you're going to be keeping around or kind of a what you call a shadow roster or whatever Mm -hmm. um and so it's it's going to be quite active i mean it's going to be really active and we all know that john schneider is one of the most active gms when it comes to personnel moves uh you're right that that roster is not necessarily set for some of these guys which is unfortunate but if we can improve the roster we're going to go improve it and the seahawks will i mean they keep a 10-man um practice squad but then they keep about five other guys which you just called them the, the shadow roster and you see them bounce on and off the practice squad week to week um you know you're playing against a mobile quarterback and then you, so you bring in you know someone with that skill set um to the practice squad and then the next week you're playing against a pocket passer well you don't need the mobile quarterback so you got him and you know bring in that six foot six wide receiver for the you know for the scout team and you know, something like that. So they, you, you see the Seahawks do a lot of those moves throughout the season. And so it's, you know, and they're, it's hard. It's, it's, it's hard to, it's hard on the players because you end up doing the work and, and staying in shape and usually staying near a team, but then you're only collecting half the paycheck because you're only on the roster half the time. Or you're only on the practice squad half the time, so you've been getting half the practice squad. Yeah, a guy like Will, where Parasak has been kicking around for such a long time, but he's never made a real. Has he been on the active roster? He team? has, but it's you know at the end of the season type of thing when when someone yeah. Goes on so he's IR he's just been churning and burning for basically half price. Yeah. You know, for a long time, so that's that's tough, and a lot of guys live like that. It's uh, it's a dedication to football. All these guys love to play and. It just doesn't work sometimes, you well, know. I, so we should we should limit what we say as it how it's, if it's tough because if you make the um, if you make the active roster, even if it's just for the last three weeks of the season, you just made a hundred and fifty grand. So <laughs> it's not that tough. Okay. Fair, <laughs> fair enough. Fair enough. Absolutely. But you know, people are losing their jobs. Yeah, so that's that's kind of what I'm talking about. So. Uh, that's it for this week, Keith. So next week's be a, a real big show. Um, look for all the players we mentioned. Uh, I think most of those guys will be playing a lot on, uh, on Friday night. Um, thanks for 
joining us again, Keith. Look for Keith on Twitter at Myers NFL. I am at NW Seahawk, Northwest Seahawk. You can find the show at Hawks Playbook. Subscribe on iTunes or Blog Talk Radio and uh, all that good stuff. And you can always find our shows, uh, all of them, all 25, on our website at hawksplaybook.com. So until next time, Keith, uh, I'll talk to you later. Enjoy the game, everybody, and see you next week. See you next week, everyone. Thanks for listening. Hey, Hawks fans. Thanks for listening to the Hawks Playbook Podcast. Be sure to subscribe to the show on iTunes or Blog Talk Radio and listen to all of our shows on hawksplaybook.com. You can follow the show on Twitter at Hawks Playbook. Bill is at NWC Hawk and Keith is at Myers NFL.